Good morning. How are y'all doing? Uh, God is so good. He is so faithful. Uh, I was actually supposed to bring this message about three weeks ago and um, hurt my tore meniscus and didn't get to, to bring it, but I believe that that's probably because it was supposed to be for today. Supposed to be for you, so thank you for hurting my leg. And uh, But God is faithful, and I'm looking forward to sharing some of this with you. I do want to just, Paula and Mike were supposed to be worshiping from home today. His father is in the process of passing, so I just want to pray for them for a second. Father, I thank you so much for Mike and Paula. I pray, Father, as they pass through the valley of tears, that you would make it a place of springs. I pray, Father God, for comfort for them, even now in this moment, that you would fill the place where they are and that you would minister peace to them, Father. I thank you for the way that you receive your children, and I pray that you would receive Mike's father in that way, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Um, I come from a long line of crazy people, but in a good way. At least that's what they told me. And um, But I came from, I, I grew up in the country where superstition and folklore and wives' tales and Jesus could sometimes get me- mess- messed up in the, the process. And uh, the Lord had a way of redefining those moments and uh, about before we get in, about 120 years ago, maybe 130 years ago. Let's go way back. And then we're going to work forward year by year by year. <laughs> about 120 years ago, my, grand, my great-great-grandmother and her brothers and sisters were sitting on the front porch of a little clapboard house. Uh, they didn't have electricity uh, or anything like that. Way out in the country, that house was there for a long time. And they would sit out on the porch in the evenings and they would either play music or they would tell stories. That's what they did. That was their entertainment. And about 120 years ago, 125, whatever, um, they were sitting on the porch at night and it had gotten dark. And usually when it got dark, that's when everybody went in. You didn't stay out too long because you had to get up real early. You went to bed with the sun and you got up with the sun. And um, they were sitting on the porch and it was dark. And all of a sudden, this light was up up in the sky, just began to move toward them. And they thought at first it was a shooting star. They thought it was something like that. But it began to get bigger and brighter and closer as they sat on this porch. Now, they give it, I believe my grand, great-great-grandmother, there was like 18 of them. Golly, I had three and I was like, help me, Jesus. And, uh, but like 18 of them and the porch wasn't that big. So they were, you know, gathered together. And this light came down right above the porch where they were all sitting and the light dispersed and broke apart into pieces. Now, before I go further, let me tell you, I know this because every single one of the great-great-uncles, great-great-aunts, the grandparents, all of them wrote this in their will to pass down to their own children. And, you know, my, and so it's passed down through the generations in written form. Anyway, don't you know when God does something, you ought to testify about it? When God does something, you, you shouldn't be quiet about it because it's going to affect the generations to come. And so this light dispersed. And according to my great aunts and great uncles, they broke apart into pieces and there were angels. So many that they couldn't count them. But the interesting thing, which is so like my family, you know, the interesting thing is one of them had testified that the angel in the front looked confused. (laughs) 
like nobody mentioned we were going to East Tennessee. But he had written down, he said, it was as if they had stopped in the wrong spot in their journey. And um, I would love to tell you that they spoke and said, your great, great granddaughter is going to be amazing. But that didn't happen. What happened was it became a testimony. They said just as quick that my, my ancestors moved to the front of the porch, saw what was in the sky, looked at each other like, have you been drinking? No, I've not been drinking. They all saw it. They all saw it. And just as quickly as it had come down, they gathered back together and they left in the same beam of light. Now, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because God is a supernatural God. And we have begun to limit him to the things that we can understand or explain. And he's not explainable. He's not containable. He's unpredictable and he's completely illogical as compared to our logic. We should never, that's who he is. He's bigger than our explanations. And so that became a testimony to us as a family. It became a testimony to them who had a tendency to lean more toward folklore or mama said or um, tradition or whatever. This was a tangible evidence to them that said, okay, there is a God that is bigger than our understanding. And if there's a God this big and we, so big that we can't understand him, we want our children and their children and their children to know about that. And they wrote it in their wills and they passed it down. I tell you this because from a, for as long as I have been breathing, God has been speaking to me in dreams and visions, not because I was good, not because I deserved it, but because I believed him. I believe when I see something in the word that gives me evidence that shows me that God speaks in this way, then I can expect him to do that in my life. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to read this passage of scripture. Why do you complain to him that he responds to no one's words? For God does speak now one way, now another, though no one perceives it in a dream in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn them from wrongdoing and keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. Father, I thank you so much that you are still speaking I thank you, Father, that you do speak the language of dreams and the language of vision. And I ask, Father, today that you would just hover in this place, Father. Open up those places of doubt that are already beginning to arise in people's hearts, Father, right now. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would tender our hearts because you want to teach us to listen in a new way. Father, and if we can get this, this will become a tool and a weapon in our hand, a communication between us and you, Father, that can bring us breakthrough time and time and time again. We love you, Father. I pray that everything that is of me would be forgotten, but everything that is of you would stand and produce fruit. In Jesus' name, and the people said, amen, amen. Um, I'm speaking specifically to four groups today. This section, this section, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Makes it easier to understand. Um, I'm speaking to people about four things that are addressed specifically in this passage of Scripture. Scripture says I, he speaks 
over and over and over and over again, and no one understands it or perceives it. And then he goes on to say four different things. I don't know if you caught it. He, he spoke of four different areas that he can speak to us in dreams and visions regarding. And it isn't that it's limited to those specific dreams and visions, but these are a portion that you can begin to watch and go, that could have been God. Was that God? And it is conviction. Conviction, it might be about sin issues, but more and more in my life, what I've seen is when he addresses the area of conviction, he is getting to the core of our values. What is your conviction in this area? What do you believe? And the Lord will bring something in that area. Or it might be a warning. When I read that, it says, well, terrify us with warnings. What kind of, we don't want to think for a moment that God could actually do something that could scare us. God is scary. Let me just settle that. If your God isn't scary, he's not big enough and you're probably not serving the right one. Because the God that I serve, as Kevin loves to say, breathes stars. I don't know that any of the other ones do. And so he might bring a word of warning because he loves you. Everything that was said there was a promise behind it. So conviction or warning, somebody who's been um, at one of those four areas, if the Lord has been telling you, stop. If the Lord has been speaking to you and telling you to stop, today is about you. Instruction. If you have been asking the Lord for guidance, if you have been going, uh, Lord, I really don't know what to do next. Lord, I really need some instruction here. Today is for you. And finally, the fourth one it says is he preserves. It says he keeps back their soul from the pit. If you have been struggling or running or you have been in this pit, today is for you. And so those four areas, I want you to pay specific attention if you would. When this passage of Scripture talks about dreams and visions, it's pretty interesting in the, in the original text. It is translated, dreams are translated night prophecy. Prophecy that takes place in the, the night. And the other one, vision, is called divine communication. Does anybody want to have divine communication with God? Does anybody else want to experience prophecy in the night when you're asleep? See, that's what God does. And can I just tell you up front that when the Lord gives you a dream or a vision, it is going to be laced with words of wisdom, with words of knowledge, with prophetic, because it's all going to echo God. It's going to be telling you something that will be consistent with the word of God. So as you begin to pray and seek the Lord in these areas, understand that Within those dreams, this isn't about woo-hoo or crazy. We got enough of that, you know. And uh, But understand that the Lord will give you words of wisdom and words of knowledge and prophetic um, insight into those dreams if they're from Him. If they're not from Him, it was pizza. If it doesn't fit any of those criteria, let it go. And don't fret and don't worry about it. Trust me, God can tell you over and over again if He needs to. We're going to talk about that because from a child, I have always done this. I have all, the Lord has always spoken to me in this way. Like I said before, not because I was good, but because I believed he would. My mama and daddy both operated in this area. Their church was like, okay, I I don't really have, I'll tell you the name of their church and that should settle all issues for you. It was called the Pentecostal Deliverance Church of God. Do I need to explain further? Dreams and visions were like, oh, it's a Tuesday. And, uh, 
And mama and daddy would sit and talk about it at the kitchen table and, and the elders would come over and they'd all sit at the table and they'd talk about things that God had shown them and the dreams they'd had. And I remember mama going, and I saw this, da, da, da. and I remember clear as day sitting under that table going, God, do not give me that gift. Please, God, <laughs> do not give me that gift. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to hear anything. Give me healing. Let me heal, Lord Jesus, but don't give me any of those things. But it was very natural, you know. You grow up with crazy, you believe it. And uh, so the Lord always spoke to me in that way. And I began to ask the Lord, um, it's consistent, guys. I wouldn't bring it to you if it wasn't. All the way from Abraham, all the way to John the Revelator. The homework I gave first service was go home and begin to look up, just look out up who had dreams in the Word. Who had dreams? Who did the Lord uh, show visions to? What were those dreams? What were those visions? And I'm asking you to do that so that the Lord can increase your faith in this area so that you can understand that God still does that because He does. But as I was uh, thinking about it, I, uh, I was thinking the earliest, I, I can remember like really, really young, but the significant, I was 11 years old, and we had a youth minister come in to hold a youth ri- revival. Does anybody remember what a youth revival is? or the word revival at all. <laughs> we had a youth minister come in and, and he taught us about prayer and he taught us about fasting. Can you imagine? I mean, he, he, he like assigned us to fast and we were kids. If we did that now, we would be in big trouble. It's like, I don't know, mom. Miss Margaret said for me not to eat for three days. That wouldn't go over very well. But, uh, but as a child, you know, my parents were, would have been more along the lines of, oh, they're healthy, they can do it. And uh, so we just believed. And so as he began to share, he said, you know, the Lord will speak to you in so many ways. And um, the Lord will speak to you in dreams and visions. So I want you to go and I want you to pray and I want you to fast. And I want you to seek the Lord. And it wasn't to seek the Lord for a vision or to seek the, word, uh, the Lord for a uh, dream. Seek the Lord. And ask him to give you a glimpse of what your calling is in life, what what he would call you to do in your life, and uh, and we did. I needed to know. I was eleven. I mean, the future was coming fast, and I needed some insight. And so we came together that last night, and he sent us off to our uh, corners. He said, "You know, go get by the with the Lord just with yourself." and seek him and see what he says. And we came back together in about an hour. And um, he began at the, this side and began to ask us what the Lord had shown us. And he started over here. And I specifically remember him asking a friend of mine, Stephen, who was a couple of years older than me, what did you see? And Stephen said, I saw a piano. I saw a piano. I think it's got to do with worship. Stephen became one of the most amazing worship leaders. I mean, just beautiful. The Lord instructed him in how to play the piano. And he didn't take lessons, but he, oh my goodness, a a songwriter, a worshiper, and God birthed that. The Lord gave him a glimpse of that. Now, I can't tell you what everybody else said. I mean, I do remember one of them talking about being in the medical field, and they did go into the medical field. And when he got to me, he said, Barbie, what did you see? And I said, I saw a pulpit. I'm going to marry a pastor. <laughs> sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we get it. But, 
But that did really spur something in my life that, that started me on this journey in my life. I had decided then and there I would never, ever, ever in my life date anyone who remotely looked like they could become a pastor. And that's how I met Hal. I'm telling you guys, he was driving a van, he had a motorcycle, he owned a sound and lighting company, he ran with rock and roll bands. My mom was like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, and then he went and got saved. Messed with a plan. And he listens to God. And what am I going to do with that? But um, it was good. And I mean, God speaks. It was just so clear. And, and I just remember it. And it set me on this journey. And I'm so grateful that it did. God is consistent. He is consistent. Understand, don't be afraid that if the Lord speaks to you in a dream or uh, that you're, and you don't get it, that you've totally missed him. Know that he can do it again. And he does do it again. Ask Samuel. When the Lord was speaking to Samuel, he was like, he didn't know it was the Lord speaking, so the Lord in his grace said it again and said it again. And so I would tell you, go back to him. I trust that he can get through to you if he needs to. So one of the things that the Lord has done again and again and again in my life is when change is coming, big change is coming from a spiritual standpoint, I always find myself in the wrong clothes, <laughs> You know, like you show up, you know, uh, most often, which is very telling about my background, most often in my dreams, I'll be dressed in field clothes, like I've been plowing. I've never plowed before, but uh, I'm pretty sure that's oxen dust on my face. But I, I just, um, I've always like been in the field and the Lord will go, um, I need you to change clothes or I'll be, I'll have the wrong shoes on. And And this started at a very young age. And Always when I have those dreams, now I understand that God's getting ready to change something or do something. And that has been something that he has used over and over and over in my life. And we'll get back to that. But speaking of over and over, when it came to time for the Lord to, the Lord, I, I um, was just seeking him. Just following him, a little, you know, I was going to say just following him a little bit. I hope I was following him a lot. But um, the, he began to speak to me, and, he, and every night in a dream, I would get this question. The question was, if I send you, what will you tell them? If I send you, what will you tell them? And can I tell you that when the Lord awakens you in the middle of the night with a question, you really want to sound smart, but you rarely do. Like anything we say could sound super intelligent to God. And, and he would awaken me and he would say, if I send you what, will you tell them? And, and, and I was blank. I don't know. First, who? Who is my target audience? <laughs> and, and what am I supposed to share? And nothing was right. Every answer I gave was wrong. So the next night I had the dream. If I send you, what will you tell them? And I didn't have an answer. And I would go and I would get in my word in the day and I would try to figure it out and try to figure out something that was logical time after time after time. The Lord did that. And I was honestly tired because I wanted to sleep and I'm just being honest. And finally one night he spoke to my spirit while I was dreaming and I heard him just say, if I send you, what will you tell them? 
And I sat up in the bed, and from the depths of my spirit, this is what I'm talking about when I say the Lord can reach those places that are your core beliefs, those convictions that you carry, because that's what he was trying to get at. He wasn't trying to get with my surface stuff or any of the knowledge that I thought I had. He was trying to get at the core of my beliefs. And so when he said it that night, I was just tired enough and just, just vulnerable enough to sit up in the bed, and I said, God, wherever you send me, Whoever you send me to, I will tell them that you love them. It's all I've got, God. I will tell them how much you love them. And when I said that, and it was so simple, and it was so easy, but when I said that, when I said, God, I will tell them that you love them, it's like it was as if he established my spirit on this place. It was, it was as if everything that I had learned to that point was now sitting on this foundation that when everything I ask you to do in your life, every place you flow from is going to come from that place of letting people know that I love them. It established me in this way. Just, I knew now my message, it didn't matter what he wrapped around that message. The core of the message was going to be God loves you. God loves you. And that set me free. And as soon as that happened, as soon as I was able to give him that answer, the Lord began to open up these doors. And I would go and speak at this conference or this church or this or California or wherever the Lord was sending me. But the Lord had to get at that place in me before he could send me on those things. I needed to know why I was going. Because let me tell you something, you can try and do a whole lot of things for God and do it with the wrong purpose and with the wrong motivation, especially when doors start to open and you start getting opportunities. Be careful that you don't run through them with your own message. Be careful that that foundation is laid and that you know what the message is before he sends you because it will keep your feet firm. Amen? That's important because a lot of you have callings on your life and you're waiting for God to open up doors for you. God just opened that door. God just opened that door. Begin to ask him to reveal the motives of your heart to lay it all, uh, all the foundations out for you and to know your convictions so that it's safe for you to go and do what God's called you to do. Okay, that would have been the conviction area we were talking about. The next I would share with you would be two that have impacted my life without measure. I cannot tell you how much these two dreams have impacted me. They have literally changed my life and... Um, when I was going into this, there's so many things I could have chosen. There were so many places that I could have gone in this. Like, like when I write music, like Beautiful You Are, that song came out of a dream. I saw it. I saw it from beginning to end. I was at my mom's house and I was sleeping in the floor by her bed because she was sick or something was going on. I can't remember now. But I had the, sleeping in that floor. I had the dream, uh, Beautiful You Are, and I woke up and the song was written. All I had to do was write it down. Ruah that we sing sometimes was the same thing I saw in my spirit. I saw the Lord leaning over and breathing over this body, just the breath of God flowing through this place. And so I wrote Ruah out of that. I mean, I could, I could tell you so many things, but the Lord is, and the time frame is going, let me just share these two with you. When it comes to instruction, uh, God opening up and going, this is your path. Understand that he can give you clear instruction about your past. Some of you need that so bad. All of us need it that bad. I'm telling you, you know, because instructions change. But some of you are just looking, asking God, direct me, lead me, give me some wisdom or insight. 
And that happened to me, uh, uh, golly, 15 years ago or how many years ago. Um, in my dream, once again, back to the clothes thing, I started at that end of the hallway. I was dressed in field clothes. I took off running down the hallway as fast as I could, which I never do, ever since I tripped over one of your kids and did a double, double somersault in the hallway. Whoever's child that was, I'm so sorry. But, uh, you know, I, I like to blame the kid because <laughs> I was on a mission from God. <laughs> Actually, poor child just stepped out into the hallway about the time as I jetted by. And Margaret's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. It was almost as good as when Pastor Wayne rolled across the stage, but I won't bring that up. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm running down the hallway in my dream, and I, I'm running fast, and I know, the good thing is in this dream, I know where the clothes are this time that I need, and I'm running down the hallway, and I get to the door frame where the mail room is now, and used to be our old office, and Pastor Ronnie is standing in that door frame, and he's got this... This man, and this is a big man, not uh, not a heavy man, but a big man. And I knew in my dream that that man represented this body. And in my dream, as I ran by, Pastor Ronnie has he is behind the man, and he's got his arms like this under the man's armpits from the back, and he's supporting him. And the man is like, you know, heavy, and, and, and Pastor Ronnie's working, you know. And as I ran past, Pastor Ronnie used his rebuke voice. I'm not going to talk about it. It upsets me. But um, he used that voice and he went, Barbie. And I stopped because I couldn't pretend I didn't see him anymore. And he said, Barbie, will you be instant or can you be instant in season? And I said, yes. Like, where did that come from? He said, I said, yes. And um, he said, I need you to take this weight. And I walked around to the front of the man on the opposite side, and I started to put my hands on the man's chest, and Pastor Ronnie started to lift a little bit of his weight toward me, and when he did, my feet started to slide. And then Pastor Ronnie used angry eyebrows, and he said, <laughs> he said, Barbie, I need you to take this weight. And I said, yes, sir, let me plant my feet. And I planted my feet and put my, grabbed hold of that man's shirt like this. And I looked across his shoulder at Pastor Ronnie and I said, will you release me? And he said, yes, I release you. And when he said that, the Holy Spirit hit me in such a way I could have thrown that man. And uh, But I grabbed hold of his shirt and I began to pray in the Spirit. And I mean, the Holy Spirit just filled that space. I could feel it in my dream. I could feel his presence all in the room. And that man stood upright. It wasn't that I was supporting him anymore. The Holy Spirit had come into that place. And, and as I'm praying and I'm praying in the Spirit, and I open my eyes to look at Pastor Ronnie and he is gone. And I look to my right and Pastor Ronnie's in the hallway, and he is surrounded by people. And he's ministering to this one, and he's ministering to this one, and he's touching this one, and he's praying for this one, and he's laughing with this one. And everything in me went, that's exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And I had such joy hit me. I had just this extreme amount of joy hit me and fear at the same time, because God does that. And But 
within the week without anybody knowing that dream, not telling anybody that. The Lord had spoken to our pastor, and within a week, I was one of your pastors. If God had not given me that dream, if I had not had that dream, when Pastor Ronnie asked me that, I would have thought he was crazy. I mean, he is. (laughs) But I would have thought it for a whole different reason, you know. I actually would have thought it because he would have to be crazy to think that I could do that. But see, I have a God who sees more than I see. And you have a God who sees more than you see in yourself. He's a big God and there's so much potential that he's trying to draw out of you that you have sat on, that's been dormant, that you've not been able to use yet. But the operative word is yet. It's been an honor and a privilege to serve in this house. I I can't even put words to it. And the final thing that I will share with you, probably the most impactful thing, if the praise team's up here, you guys can come out. If you're not, that's fine. I'll sing to myself. (laughs) When I was in my 20s, I've shared a portion of this with you guys before. When I was in my 20s, I left the Lord. I mean... I left skid marks. I mean, I left and I ran and I fell. I mean, I fell hard. I abandoned everything I thought that I had known about God. I abandoned everything that I thought I was. And I just fell. And I wanted nothing to do with God. I wanted nothing to do with anybody that had anything to do with God. I didn't want to hear it. Turn it down just a little bit, please. I didn't want anybody to talk to me because I already knew I was in a mess. I already knew that I was captured. I already knew my mess. And so I, I, I shut down. I'd rather feel nothing than feel anything that might hurt. And nobody could reach me. Nobody could reach me. Not even my mom. Nobody could reach me. And But every night, God kept reaching for me. And every night when I would go to bed, I would have the same dream over and over and over and over again. And I'm telling you, it wasn't one night or two nights or three nights or four nights. It was a month. It was months. Every night I would go to bed and in my, when I would fall to, uh, off to sleep, I would start plummeting through this pit. Just darkness just darkness and I was so desperate and it was silent and it was terrifying and I couldn't scream and I I would grab at the walls until my hands bled and I would just I was just lost but the sad thing is I knew what would stop it I knew how to stop it I knew if I would just speak his name I knew if I would just speak his name it would stop but I couldn't I couldn't get his name past my mouth, past my lips because I had disappointed him so much and and I had abandoned my faith and I had abandoned him and there was so much shame attached to it and so much desperation attached to it that as I would fall night after night after night after night, I would go, I know how to stop it, but I couldn't do it. And then one night as I was falling, I hated going to bed because I knew it was coming. But one night as I was falling, there was this tiniest, 
tiniest pinprick of light, just like a tiny glimpse of a laser starting to come through this pitch black darkness at me. And it was the first light I had seen. And as it started moving toward me, it carried within it something. It carried the smallest thing, the smallest hope light. And, and the smallest thing in it was hope. And what it said as it moved toward me, what was wrapped in that light was, what if, what if, what if God is big enough? What if God is big enough to fix this? What if God is big enough to restore you? What if God is big enough to use you again? And when that began to come through, when that light started through, that was the first light I had seen. And this hope began to rise up on the inside of me because for the first time in in so long, I recognized his presence. I recognized the hope that was within it. And when I saw that, it's like my spirit just reached out into the middle of it. And I heard myself say, Jesus. And when I said Jesus, it was as if the light just came flooding into that pit. And he caught me in the palm of his hand. And as he lifted me up out of that pit, I just wept. I just wept because hope was returning to me. Because I had a God who was big enough to fix it. A God who was able to use me even though I had done that. A God who was able to draw my gifts out and speak to me in the most intimate ways and restore me into a relationship with a God that would bring back my hope. That's the God that we serve. That's how big He is. And He knows where you are today. And he is able to speak to you. And he is able to reach those places that you haven't let anybody else reach. So if you would stand with me today. If you fall into any of those categories. If the Lord has been convicting you in your life. Trying to get to core issues. If he has been warning you. If you have been longing for instruction for him. Or if you need preservation. See the beautiful thing about this is. Is the very last portion of that passage that we read it says in dreams and visions of the night he draws back their soul from the pit that is exactly what he did for me in those night watches and he will do the same for you if we have prayer warriors so father i'm asking right now in the name of jesus father for all of those god who have been searching for you for those Father, who need to be rescued from the pit. For those, Father, who have longed for you. For those that need answers, Father. For those that have been running, Father. I thank you that you are a faithful God and that you would speak to them. Even now, if you have a need, if you have something pressing in your spirit, we're going to sing, I believe in you. And we're going to use it as a declaration in all of those places. If you need prayer, please come. If not, we're going to worship going to worship Jesus.